Welcome to LifePoint Church's podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you are inspired by this message. What's up, fam? You guys doing good? God bless. Happy Wednesday to you. So good that you are here. It's so good that you are here. And um, I'm excited just about tonight. I'm, I always love First Wednesdays. And it's a great time. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn over to the Gospel of John. We're going to be in chapter 9 tonight. And while you're turning there, just let me say a few things. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you got your tree already? Okay, everybody raise their hand already. For the rest of you that did not, go out there and get your tree tonight. So let's get it. Let's get them out. We just, I don't even know how many we have. Probably like 200 left. We've sold about, yeah, we've sold about 700 trees. We're helping so many kids. Like my wife said, uh, we've been, you guys have been just incredibly generous. And I, I try to give it a, a perspective, right? So like $60 will feed, clothe, and educate a kid in Guatemala for about a month. And that's really hard to put into perspective because that won't fill up our gas tanks here. Uh, but uh, it's feed, clothe, and educate a kid in Guatemala. So everything that you do, every dollar that you go over goes a long way. And, of course, we have projects all over the place. And we help here locally as well. Backpacks, food distribu- distribution centers, all kinds of stuff. Crisis care pregnancy centers. By the way, we stand for all lives here. Um, ba- babies, babies, they can't defend themselves. Right, so we want, we want to get this reversed. We want to care for the children that cannot stand up and scream out for a vote. We stand for that here. Love that, love that, love that. That's going on in our, in our world right now. We're fighting for babies' lives today. Today, we're going to continue to do that. So uh, we love, love you guys and are excited about tonight again. Listen, I want to tell you this story, and I felt like God took me here the other day. Uh, I was on a plane Late, late ride on the way to Georgia and just uh, opened up my, my Bible and was reading a little bit. And just, you know, I don't only prepare for messages. I read the word of God because it's nourishment to me. I prepare, I prepare messages, but that's a separate thing for me. I, I also read the word of God as a filling for me. You know, I'm going to sit down. I got a message, you know, for this weekend uh, at another place, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be good. But th- this, was, this came out of the, just the enjoyment of the word and the filling of the word and turned into a message. And I don't know why I've never even preached this passage before. I don't know how because it's such a cool story. But uh, beyond a cool story, there, there's some things in here that we need to see. Uh, the title of the message is called Work the Works. Now, if you just take that title out of context, it can be dangerous because it's... It's not by works that we're saved, right? It's, it's, it's by gr- the grace of God and faith in him that we get saved. But there are works to be done here, and we don't, we, without, without works, right, what are, we, what are we doing? If we just sit here and go, it's like, I believe, I believe. I'm not going to do anything with my belief. I'm not going to share the love of Christ with my belief. Then something's wrong with us. So here's the story, kind of the background. is Jesus is, he's stirring the pot. If you, if you think that Jesus wasn't a revolutionary, then you've, you, you've got it twisted. Jesus came in and changed things. He changed the way things were done. And so when he showed up on the scene, there were these guys who had kind of been in control of the situation. And he shows up and starts doing things that they didn't think he should be done. Uh, that you, what are you doing? Like, who is this? How dare you? And so in the previous chapter, in John chapter 8, at the end, they're literally grabbing stones and they're going to kill him. But it says he slipped out. Right, <laughs> He slipped out and ducked away, and they couldn't kill him then. And that, that happened a couple of times with Jesus. But what we see in the very first verse of chapter 9 is this. It says that as he passed, so he was on the go. He slipped away from these guys who were trying to kill him. It says, as he passed by, 
How many of you know that Jesus is always passing by, right? He's always passing by. No matter what your situation, where you're at, how you feel stuck, he's always passing by. If you'll just pay attention, he's there for you. That was the great promise of God that I will never leave you, forsake you. He's always passing by. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. So as he went along the, the, the streets or maybe the side streets or the back streets of Jerusalem, he saw this man with this uh, congenital blindness. Yeah, apparently he had just been blind from birth, as we'll see a little bit later. And, and now I, I, I look at this and I see that the, the, the moment is significant. I mean, if you're not careful, like I said, I just read through I mean, I've been, I've been in church my whole life. I'll be 46 years old, and I, I've read this story a bunch of times, but I didn't catch the significance until the other day. And, and I look at it, and I just, because, because we're talking about the sovereign work of God, the good works of God. He's good, he's faithful, and he sees where you're at. Sometimes you think, man, he doesn't see me. He doesn't know my struggles, and you're crying out, and you're going, God, do you know what, do you know what I'm going through? Would you please help? He's like, I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly what's happening in your life. And so this, this moment, this encounter, this, this, this situation that this guy is in, it's seemingly hopeless, right? We see this guy from birth. And some of you have dealt with health issues from day one. From the womb, you've had health issues. I believe that God wants to touch that. We're going to pray for that later on tonight, that he's going to change something supernaturally. But it, this, this situation is seemingly hopeless, but there's more than just the, spirit, uh, the, the, the physical blindness. There's a spiritual blindness that we're born into, right? That's the significance of this thing is the spiritual blindness. And verse 2 says that his disciples ask him, and they're in getting taught, right? They're getting, they're getting help. You know, learning, and this is what they said, rabbi, which means teacher. They said, teacher, who sinned? Was it, was it this man or was it his parents? And, and is that why he was blind? This is so human, right? Right? I mean, people write songs about it. John Lennon wrote a song about it, Instant Karma's Gonna Get You. Gonna look you right in the face, right? And we say we say it all the time and like halfway joke and oh it's karma, there's karma. You know, I make a joke at something and trip and fall my, you know, somebody says, ah, karma got you. I don't believe in karma. I don't believe in that nonsense. I, I, I do believe that you can't escape disappointment in life. Sometimes you stub your toes. Sometimes you make a joke or crack uh, a joke with some friends and you trip and fall. That just sometimes happens. I don't believe in karma. Some of you do. You need to change that thinking and, and shift that, right? Because this situation that this man went is that Jesus knew. Jesus knew him from before he was formed in the womb. So he knew the situation. And so the disciples are now facing a theological problem. That's what they're doing. They're, they're believing that sin directly causes all your suffering. Now, sin will cause you some suffering sometimes. <laughs> there are consequences of sin, right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So there are some consequences for your sin. Some of you have to live with those daily, and, and we have to pay for those sometimes in society. But overall, eventually, if we will just give them to God, he will cover them throughout eternity, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But how could this, how could this man be born with such a handicap? Which is a question that so many people ask. And if, if you've had a conversation about Jesus or God at all with somebody, you know, probably you've come across somebody who says, yeah, but if God is so good, then why? If God is so good, then why does, why does somebody walk into a school in Texas and shoot people? Right? If God is so good, then why 
are people starving to death in other parts of the world. And it's really, it's us. That's what it boils down to. It's not him, and and I answer it like that. It's not him, it's us. Why are people starving to death? Because we haven't done anything about it. You don't think we can do it? We We bury millions of pounds of oranges every year, probably billions and billions of pounds of oranges just to keep the price up. You, know, you can't tell me that we can't put those oranges on a plane and fly them over and drop them out, or bananas, or papayas, or mangoes. or I mean, you know how many avocados fall on the ground here in Florida and just rot away? Dogs eat them and get fatter and fatter and fatter. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, whole, it's a whole thing. But we haven't done anything about it. That's the problem with the world. So it wasn't a sin issue, and so Jesus has to address it. But uh, they're, they're plagued with the same thing everybody's plagued with. Actually, in Exodus 20, in verse 5, it says... You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. This is right there in in the Ten Commandments. So they're just kind of phrasing this is not contradictory, and Jesus is going to handle it. It says that Jesus answered, it was not this man that sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Some of you, you're going to have a shift tonight right there. <laughs> we're, we're so centered on ourselves. We are so centered on ourselves. It is about me. It is about everything is about me. Why me? This. Can we get out of this? I don't want to feel any stress. I don't want to feel any discomfort. God, can you take this situation away? Can you make it super comfortable? Can you give me all the money? Let everybody listen to me. Give me the money, the plaudits, the praise, the clout, everything. Then I'll be happy. No, you won't. Also, we've got plenty of those people living all over the world that are depressed and anxious and confused and doubting and don't understand anything. And Jesus knew that about him, but he said this is that, 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 that it wasn't the sin. It wasn't the sin of his parents, and it wasn't the sin of him. Not that they hadn't sinned. Of course they had. But that wasn't what caused this, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. I mean, we, we judge people too, right? Everybody loves Matthew 7, 1, judge not lest you be judged, right? But inside the church, we should judge in, a, in the right way. We should come alongside and say, hey, man, I don't think you're doing right. Is that, the best, is that the best decision you can make? Are you doing right? That's just a sharpening and a quickening. Not everybody loves to hear it, but we need that from each other. We need that kind of gentle correction sometimes from the Lord himself, but also from each other. I'm better because of my friends. I'm better. I'm a, we're better together. is isn't just something we say. We're actually stronger together if we will link up. But what Jesus is looking at this, and he's saying, actually, the, the, the man's blindness was not caused by some specific sin, but it was that, that God could actually go on display. This man's blindness was actually going to be a platform so that God could show off. So God could show off, Right? So we look at this, and and just maybe, just maybe God wants to use your situation, the calamity that you're in, the problem, the lack of a job, or maybe somebody's getting ready to lose their job, or you don't have enough money, or your relationship's in struggle, or you actually have a physical ailment. Just maybe God wants to use that situation you're in for his own glory. So maybe if we just shift a little bit, but why me? Why me? 
Why? Why is this happening to me? God, you've forsaken me, right? You might be going through something tonight, but let me tell you, there is victory for your life. There is healing. There is sanctification. There is a consecration that needs to happen in you mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. If you'll begin to set up and say, you know what? I'm going through this, but it's going to be okay. But God's got his hand on me. He's protecting me. Nothing can steal me out of the hand of God. I'm protected. I am loved. I am called. I am chosen. He has a a plan, a future, a hope for my life. And if I continue to seek him, I'm always going to find him. That's his promise. If you will continue to sing. And there was strength for some of you because some of you just want you to, hey, God, just zap me out of this. He said, hey, <laughs> hold on. Maybe you just need to shift your prayer a little bit. The apostle Paul, when he prayed, he said, at one point, this is old King James English, but he said, thrice, three times I asked that the Lord would remove this thorn from my side. We don't even know what that was. People can guess. They can talk about it. doesn't really matter what it is because the result is that he was aggravated by it. That's the result. So, so quit, quit thinking about the cause and um, did God cause it? Did he allow it? What is this? Should it go away? What, listen, three times Paul said, I asked the Lord to remove this, but he didn't take away. You know what he said? My grace is sufficient for you. He might not take your situation right away. He might not take that thing away at all, but he's got enough grace to help you walk through it. And sometimes you're trying to go around it. You're trying to go over it. You're trying to go through it. You're trying to get somebody to go through it for you, but the only way through it is through it. You got you to gotta ante up and kick in and walk the walk and talk the talk. You've got to do it. Verse 4 says we must work the works. It's the title of the message right there. Work the works. This is Jesus talking. He didn't say, I must work the works. He said, we must work the works. Let me tell you something. If you don't know this, this, this thing right here, this boat that we're on, this is not a cruise ship. This is a rowboat. <laughs> right? It's a rowboat. That means you pick up a paddle, you reach forward, and you pull the boat. I want to look around and see over a thousand people on Sunday, and some are like, oh, getting in the buffet line, taking it easy, you know, hey, somebody serve me, leave me a little animal in, in a towel shape on my, make me feel comfortable spiritually. No, this is a rowboat. Put your paddle in the water, pull the thing forward, right? And the better, the better, I don't know if you've ever been in a canoe. I used to be a, a whitewater rafting guide, believe it or not, on the Okoye River in Tennessee. I did that for like four years. Didn't make any money. Had a great time, though. It was while I was in college. And um, we would, it was, this was serious rapids. I mean, it was class four or five whitewater. I saw people drown out there. It was, it was crazy at times, but we would get them in the boat, and you know what we do? We sit six people, one, two, two, and two. And I'd sit in the back, and I'd go, we'd teach them at the beginning because we wanted to be in unison. And I would go, give me one. And I'm holding on the back of the boat right at the beginning of the river. And they would go, one. I said, give me two. And the better that they were in person, in unison, working together, the more equipped we were to navigate the river. Because you want to have people different, oh, this guy's paddling, this guy's paddling backwards. Every once in a while, somebody's just dragging their paddle in the water. Now, they had helmets on, but I would just reach over with my paddle and go, burnt. <laughs> hey. <laughs> 
Pay attention. You're making my job harder and you're making everybody else's job harder. Listen around here. Don't make everybody else's job harder. Stay in unison. Get here. Be consistent in your walk. Be consistent in your faith. When we say, hey, give us one. Let's go sell some trees. Give us one. When we say, hey, we're collecting an offering to go help some people in Russia. Give an offering to help and go do it. We're gonna, we got to get in unison, but we got to work the works. Work the works of him who has sent me. While it is day, night is coming when no one can work. I don't, I don't know what, I know kind of what that means. I mean, I studied it, but what I know is that God has enabled us to do the work of the ministry. My, one of my chief responsibilities is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. I preached this weekend. I preached on the plane. I preached in the airport. I'm going to continue to preach. But you also have to do that. You have to get that inside of you. And some of you don't feel equipped to do it. You don't feel equipped to do it because you don't read the word. You don't pray. You don't attend consistently. You don't, you don't worship. You don't, you, you don't do the thing. So you feel empty so you don't have anything to give. I promise you if you will begin to live the disciplined life, the life of a disciple being taught by Jesus, being fed by Jesus, being filled by the Holy Spirit, you'll have something to say. I promise you you'll have something to say, right? It becomes so good when that happens. But, but the daytime is the allotted time that God has given us to do the work. Listen, your day period, I'm not talking about the eight hours that you work in the day. I'm talking about your life, how you're going to do this, might not be as long as somebody else's or vice versa. So for some of you, you're planning to tell somebody, but their day is shorter. You don't know they're going to go into eternity. Man, and I, 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 I can promise you this, you do not want to live with that thing going, I wish I would have talked to him about Jesus. You don't want to live with that kind of guilt. I wish I would have said something. I wish I would have got past myself just a little bit to say Jesus loves you. I wish, I wish, I wish. Well, I ain't no wishing. They're gone. And we're all just inches from death every single day. We get comfortable with it, right? Everybody knows that, that line down the middle of the road that you drive? Everybody's on their phone. All they have to do is drift over six, seven inches. You're into eternity like that. Just like that. I wish I would have told them. I wish I would. We got to work the work. That daytime is not the same for everybody. The nighttime, listen to this. The night is the limit set that God has given us to work. Right? In Jesus' case, it was his coming death. Like he knew he, was, he came to die. He had a purpose. He knew he was going to raise again, but he knew he had, I have this many years as a physical body on earth, and we're going to get to work. We're going to work the works. We're going to get busy, not just me, but you and you and you. In fact, Simon Peter, I'm going to use you, you crazy fisherman. I'm going to build my church on you. You're a rock, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But do you think that God wanted to use Simon Peter any more than he wants to use you? He wants to use you with that kind of boldness, that kind of passion. Like, I'm not going to shut up. I'm going in, and the environment is changing. You're not walking in the room saying, hey, y'all in my world. No, you walk in the room and say, y'all in God's world. He wants to change your life, right? So I'm here to tell you that he can and he will. Verse 5 says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The light shines in, in darkness, you know what I mean? Shines in darkness. Gives people salvation. That's what he's talking about. 
Verse 6 says, having said these things, he spit on the ground and he made mud. You gotta, you gotta, we almost forgot about the guy. Almost forgot about the blind guy. <laughs> Jesus is teaching his disciples, and this guy's standing over there like, do you have any money for me, right? And he's like, no, he's got something for you, too. He says, having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Kind of gross. But then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And so he went and washed and came back seeing. <laughs> How many of you used to have your mom, like, lick her Thumb. She did that to me about once. I'm like, don't you ever, mom. And then my dad grabbed me by the neck. Don't you ever talk to your mom that way, right? <laughs> I don't want to be licked. I don't care if you put it on your thumb. I don't care if you had a breath mint. I don't care if you've been chewing gum. I don't care if you just brush your teeth. I don't want your saliva on me. But this is different. This is different. Right? Jesus places the mud, the clay, the... Right on the man's eyes, and what's, what's crazy about this as I study this is that he uses the same substance that he created us out of. Well, you're made from dirt. You're made from dirt. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? We, we, that's where we came from, and now God is going to take some of that same stuff. Got you. Put that in your eyes. This guy doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know who Jesus is. I mean, he probably heard about him, but, but he used this, this, I think Jesus is using this as, a, as this aid or this object lesson to help develop the man's faith, right? Not his medicine. It wasn't the medicine that, that helped him. It wasn't the mud that cured him, right? It was the power of God, right? This was just a platform. So Jesus is making the clay, right? But he's also breaking some traditions here. <laughs> so he's showing this. is like, I'm going to heal this guy. But I'm just going to twist some stuff over here, right here, just to aggravate some people. And that's exactly what happened. It says in verse 8, remember the man came back seeing. The neighbors and who, those who had seen him before were begging, is this the man who used to sit and beg? And so they get in this whole process, and because of time, I'm just going to paraphrase for you. And they're like, no, that's not him because this guy can see. And he's like, yeah, it's me. It's me still wiping the crust off his face. It's me, guys. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but I can see now. Everything's changed now. They're like, no, it's not you. And he's like, it's me. Pay attention. I'm telling you guys. And so in verse 10, it says, though, it came to him. How were your eyes open? Tell me. We've watched you for years sit here. You can't see nothing. And he said this. He said, the man Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. And so I went, washed, and received. And here's what jumped out to me at this. God is, God is so much about process. We, we like instantaneous. And God can do that, and he sometimes does that, and praise God for it. But God is so much about process. But here's what I love about the obedience of the process. You see that God's process involved two things. And when he says, go do two things, we are to do Two things, <laughs> right? And when you do two things, there's always something for you on the back end. Watch. He answered, man, Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, right, and said to me, go, right, and wash. Go and wash. That's all you got to do. Go and wash. Well, what, what did the man say? So I went 
washed and received. God, God doesn't like need you to do anything. He'll do whatever he wants to do. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. It might make sense to you. It might make zero sense to you. God is going to get done what he wants to get done. But he very much wants you to pay attention. I don't think he wants to pay you to pay more attention than you have in the past. But since we're here, the past is the past. You can't do a thing about that. But you can do, you can do something about this moment right here. You can begin to focus like you have never focused in this next season so that you can receive what he has for you. So for some of you, he's saying, come here, let me spit in your face. Some of you are like, I don't know, that's weird. So in just a few minutes when I say, hey, come up here, for some of you, you're going to be like, oh, that's weird. And that's why you won't receive. I'm not saying there's anything special about this place, and I'm not saying totally that you can't receive back there, but I'm saying there's an attitude inside of you that keeps you from receiving your healing. There's all kinds of stories in the Bible. Naomi said, go wash seven, dip yourself seven times in the river. Not six, not five, not once, but if you will go down and you'll be obedient because God is about process and he cares about the details. We just don't care. We care about details in our life, but we, we lose track of the details that God has told us. Like, I don't want to read Leviticus. Some of you are laughing because you know. You want to study Levitical law? <laughs> no, it's just, it's just like bonkers. Why are we like anointing toes with oil? That's weird. I don't know like what's going on. There's so much, there's so much process. My wife asked me about why is the bread unleavened, right? It was part of the process. As they were leaving, they had to speedily leave out of Egypt, and so they didn't have time for it. So it became part of the process for them. But this, this place, Siloam, is, is sent. That's what it means, sent. Jesus was sent. And, and he says to his disciples at one point, he says, I, I was sent, and now I'm, I'm sending you. Work the works. Do it. Tell somebody. I mean, is it just a season of Christmas? We love to say, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills, and we ain't telling anybody. Quit singing the song then. Don't sing the song if you're not going to do it. Right? Listen to this. This guy was blind, desperate, stuck. I mean, stuck. He wasn't going, nobody was going to help him. There wasn't any social security. There wasn't any like, oh, I'm going to get this disablement check every month that's going to cover all that. No, they're going to sit him at the gate. Hopefully you can get enough food to, to help feed your mouth. You're a burden to society. That's essentially what happened. And he had no idea what was about to happen to him. And I just love that same God that spit in the mud and healed this man's life is totally able to reach down and touch your life, to change your situation. We serve a wonder-working God, but there is a process that he wants it. And I'm telling you to go wash, wash yourself, repent, turn from your evil ways, and receive what God has for you. And if you are obedient in the process, which I believe that you guys are working towards, we're all fighting for, then you will receive what God has for you. Because God's part, he'll always do. But there is God's part, and there's your part. There's God's part, and there's my part. And you've got to own that. 
You've got to own that. And so there might be something tonight that has crushed your vision. Your vision is clouded. You can't see physically. You can't see spiritually. You can't see relationally. I don't know how my marriage is going to get fixed. It's a mess. I don't know how things got this disastrous. It's so muddy. I wish I could see. And, And he's saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here tonight. I'm here. And I want to I touch your life tonight. So I just want you to stand with me right now. We've got a few minutes. And I want you to make no mistake about this. All right. God's going to get the glory. That goes all the way back, right? Is it because of his sin? Like, what happened here? Oh, you got yourself in trouble. I, mean, I don't care what the situation is. Make no mistake about it. God's going to get the glory. He's going to get the glory. So here's what I want to do. I just want you, uh, we're not going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to say, if you need something from God, if your situation's jacked up, if you need a touch from God, I want you to come forward tonight. God knows already. Yeah, come on. Make your way here. Don't, don't, don't miss it. Again, I'm not saying if you don't come forward that you're, you're left out. God sees you right where he can touch you in the shower, in your car. He, he's not limited to this space. But, but I want you to get past yourself mentally. Whatever situation is going on in your life, you need to just give it to him. Like, I'm going. I'm going. I'm, I'm coming here. God's always calling. He's always calling. Come on, pack it in. Pack it in here. This is, this is, this is the state of our world right, that, that people are just hurting. And I don't know what your situation is, but I'm so glad that we serve a God who does know. He knows your specific need. And, I, and he says, he cares about it. He cares. And he wants to touch your life. And maybe, maybe, maybe he changes everything for you tonight and lifts all of the burden, all of the care, all the physical ailments, all the relational ailments, whatever it is, which is maybe he just dispenses a crazy amount of grace says my grace is sufficient for you I'm going to make you stronger than you've ever been either way God's going to get the glory tonight right where you at would you just turn your hands toward heaven tonight just begin to talk to him don't just listen to my words Father I thank you in the name of Jesus I thank you God for what you have done I thank you for what you are doing Lord you are not done with us you are stirring us tonight you are stirring our hearts and minds God there are people in this room right now who have physical ailments they need a touch from you The devil is a liar. He's trying to take us out. But God, you are a healer. You see our blindness, whether it is spiritual, relational, uh, physical, whatever it is. You see heart problems that are in this room. God, you see cancers that are in this room that need to be removed in Jesus' name. God, you know it. And you are working. We believe in your power. We surrender to your will and to your way tonight, God. And I ask that you just begin to touch people. Begin to touch their spirits tonight. Change us tonight. And God, let it be all for you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you want more information about LifePoint Church or want to get in contact with us, please visit www.lpc.is. We hope you have a blessed week.